Psalm 130. From the depths I call to you, Yahweh. Lord, hear my cry. Listen attentively to the sound of my pleading. If you kept a record of our sins, Lord, who could stand their ground? But with you is forgiveness, that you may be revered. I rely, my whole being relies, Yahweh, on your promise. My whole being hopes in the Lord, more than watchmen for daybreak. More than watchmen for daybreak, let Israel hope in Yahweh. For with Yahweh is faithful love, with him generous ransom, and he will ransom Israel from all its sins. Modern Grace Living the Proverbs Day by Day for August 14th. Today's lesson from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Enthusiasm for Christ. Our scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the special blessings that will come to you at the return of Jesus Christ. John Wesley advised, catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come for miles to watch you burn. His words still ring true. When we fan the flames of enthusiasm for Christ, our faith serves as a beacon to others. Our world desperately needs faithful believers who share the good news of Jesus with joyful exuberance. Be such a believer. Let others see that there is something different about you. If you support a sports team, you cheer for them, talk about them, even have friends over to watch the game. The love of God is more exciting than the playoffs and the hope of heaven is better than a seven-game World Series. So the next time God makes himself known to you, share that good news. God always has the winning team. My utmost for his highest, August 14th, The Discipline of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. My son, do not despise the chastening of, of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. It is very easy to grieve the Spirit of God. We do it by despising the discipline of the Lord or by becoming discouraged when he rebukes us. If our experience of being set apart from sin and being made holy through the process of sanctification is still very shallow, we tend to mistake the reality of God for something else. And when the Spirit of God gives us a sense of warning or restraint, we are apt to say mistakenly, oh, that must be from the devil.
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19. Do not quench the Spirit. And do not despise him when he says to you in effect, Don't be blind on this point anymore. You are not as far along spiritually as you thought you were. Until now, I have not been able to reveal this to you, but I'm revealing it to you right now. When the Lord disciplines you like that, let him have his way with you. Allow him to put you in a right standing relationship before God. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. We begin to pout, become irritated with God and say, oh, well, I can't help it. I prayed and things didn't turn out right anyway, so I'm simply going to give up on everything. I understand what that feels like. Just think of what would happen if we acted like this in any other area of our lives. Been there. Am I fully prepared to allow God to grip me by his power and do a work in me that is truly worthy of himself? Sanctification is not my idea of what I want God to do for me. Sanctification is God's idea of what he wants to do for me. But he has got to get me to the state of mind and spirit where I will allow him to sanctify me completely, whatever the cost. Streams in the Desert, August 14th. Our scripture comes from John chapter 19, verse 11. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Nothing that is not part of God's will is allowed to come into the life of someone who trusts and obeys him. This truth should be enough to make our life one of ceaseless thanksgiving and joy because God's will is the most hopeful, pleasant, and glorious thing in the world. It is the continuing or the continuous working of his omnipotent power for our benefit, with nothing to prevent it, if we remain surrendered and believing. Someone who was passing through the deep water of affliction wrote a friend, isn't it glorious to know that no matter how unjust something may be, even when it seems to have come from Satan himself, by the time it reaches us, it is God's will for us and will ultimately work to our good. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Think of what Christ said even as he was betrayed. John chapter 18, verse 11. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? We live fascinating lives if we are living in the center of God's will. All the attacks that Satan hurls at us through the sins of others are not only powerless to harm us, but are transformed into blessings along the way. In the center of the circle of the will of God I stand. There can come no second causes. All must come 
from his dear hand. All is well, for it's my father who my life has planned. Shall I pass through waves of sorrow? Then I know it will be, be it will be best. Though I cannot tell the reason, I can trust, and so am blessed. God is love, and God is faithful. So in perfect peace, I rest. With the shade and with the sunshine, with the joy and with the pain, Lord, I trust you. Both are needed. Each your wayward child to train. Earthly loss, if we will know it, often means our heavenly gain. Holiness by Jerry Bridges. We can begin each day with the deeply encouraging realization, I'm accepted by God, not on the basis of my personal performance, but on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. August 14th, Warmth and Desire. Our scripture comes from Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. In the life of the godly person, this desire for God produces an aura of warmth. Godliness is never austere and cold. Such an idea comes from a false sense of legalistic morality erroneously called godliness. The person who spends time with God radiates his glory in a manner that is always warm and inviting, never cold and forbidding. This longing for God also produces a desire to glorify God and to please him. In the same breath, Paul expressed the desire to know Christ as well as to be like him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. This is God's ultimate objective for us and is the object of the Spirit's work in us. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, the prophet proclaimed his desire for the Lord. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. Immediately before this expression of desire for the Lord, he expresses a desire for his glory, God's glory. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. Verse 8. Renown, excuse me, I mispronounced it. Renown has to do with one's reputation, fame, and eminence. Or in God's case, with his glory. The prophet could not separate in his heart his desire for God's glory and his desire for God himself. These two yearnings go hand in hand. This is devotion to God, the fear of God, which is an attitude of reverence and awe, veneration and honor toward him, coupled with an apprehension deep within our souls of the love of God for us, demonstrated preeminently in Christ's atoning death. 
These two attitudes complement and reinforce each other, producing within our souls an intense desire for this one who is awesome in his glory and majesty, yet so condescending in his love and mercy.